Hey guys, welcome back to the Speak Up podcast. Today we have a chat with Guillaume Aubesch, the founder and CEO of Lempire, also known as Lemlist. That's a startup in Paris that recently reached an annual revenue of $10 million, completely bootstrapped. That means they didn't raise any money. We talk about his growth mindset, his thoughts on bootstrapping startups, how he merges his work life and his personal life, and also his advice for young entrepreneurs today. This was definitely a very inspiring conversation with an inspiring guy, and we hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed having this conversation with him. Thanks a lot for having me. Super uh, happy to share uh, updates and everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First off, like, how's it going with you this week? What's on your mind? What's uh, like, how are you feeling? For this week, I'm uh, I'm going on holiday by the the end of the week, so I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to kind of like uh, finish all the important topics I have before I can uh, actually leave the team and make sure that uh, that nothing burns burns down. <laughs> Nothing burns down. Where, where are you going on holiday? <laughs> I'm going to um, a French island called uh, La Réunion. It's in the south of Africa, uh, so I'm going to go and hike for about. Uh, two weeks in the jungle and in the mountains. So it's going to be quite nice. Okay, sweet. That sounds awesome. Sounds really two weeks in the jungle and the mountains. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds perfect. And you're going to be completely disconnected during this time. Yes. It's the first time I do this actually, uh, since I started Lemlist. So it's a bit, uh, a bit scary, but, uh, I will try. <laughs> All right. Is, is this like a gift for yourself for reaching the 10 million mile, uh, the 10 million milestone? <laughs> yes, kind of. <laughs> All right. That's, that's awesome. Okay, so we're not gonna get into your story because you already have a YouTube channel where you where you detail that so well, and you know you're very very public with you know your history and so on. So I want to dig a little deeper into your mindset and what goes on behind the scenes in your life. So firstly, when you left HEC in 2017, that was the last time you studied and you graduated. What was on your mind? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to achieve? Did you know what the next few years of your life and career were going to look like? So while I was at uh, HEC, I actually like uh, started the first uh, t-shirt business with my dad, which uh, I uh, miserably failed. <laughs> but uh, just after that, I actually started another lead generation agency with uh, one of my uh, colleague or friend, let's say, at, uh, at HEC. Oh, what, and, was uh, this? I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Was this Badis? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and ba- just after that, I was, uh, at the point where I started making money with the agency, I realized that, uh, for me, the future was all about entrepreneurship and, uh, and launching my own project and starting my own company. So I didn't know what project it would be exactly. I just thought it would be like, uh, me growing the agency to, uh, to a whole new level. Uh, but I knew for sure that I didn't want to work for any company and that I wanted to build my own. Um, so that was uh, what was in my mind uh, back then. <laughs> All right. And and what made you start this T-shirt business? So like the first business that you started, like what was it that made you start that? Um, so to be honest, like uh, I started it with my dad. My dad uh, could print on fabrics because he's, uh, he's, he's doing a bit of design. Uh, and he was doing like a lot of screen printing and things like that. So I just thought, okay, it's an easy business to build. We don't have a lot of money, so we can start with a very little amount to invest and see like whether or not it works. And uh, and I was pretty excited also to do something uh, 
with my dad, but uh, in the end, it turned out to be like uh, to put quite a lot of pressure on both of us, and it didn't work out uh, so well, especially because I was very inexperienced back then. Right, right. And then from there, you went to the lead generation business, the lead generation agency. Like, how did that transition happen? Like, where did that idea come from? It came from Badis actually, who started like the, the agency himself and he needed help. So I didn't know anything about B2B. So for me, it was really like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like business working with business. It sounds boring. It doesn't sound fun at all. And uh, step by step, I realized that uh, we could actually like make more money, that the more you bring value to people, the more they are happy to pay for it because it means that it brings even more cash for them and they have a good return on investments. And from there, I remember, I would always remember that day that I closed uh, that first client uh, paying us like a thousand bucks for a, for a service that we were offering. And I was like, this is freedom, you know, like I can generate my own money thanks to like uh, my skills. And I guess like uh, that's why I also, you know, advise people whenever they want to get started in business to start with selling services, being a consultant or doing like freelancing just because it's it kind of gives you the freedom to say, I know how to find clients. I know how to close them, which is a key for any business to grow. So I started like doing this with, uh, with Badis and step-by-step, step, I started to learn a lot about this industry, looking at all the software that existed on the markets. And this is where I spotted an opportunity to, to then launch Lemlist in 2018. Right, right, okay. And so when you, when you spotted this opportunity to launch Lemlist, what, how did that start exactly? Um, it was, uh, it was like, basically like, um, I wanted to start doing a software business just because I was using a lot of softwares back in the day. So I was using a lot of tools for our clients to run their lead generation campaigns. And what I, what I realized is that all the tools out there were selling the fact that you could. Uh, put yourselves on autopilot, but it was not the case, you know, like the, so the value proposition, what maybe like a, a thousand miles away from the actual thing. And, and then I'm like, okay, I'm from marketing. I love marketing. It's super nice. But if what you're selling is so different that what people get, it means that you're kind of like misleading everyone. So I thought, okay, how can people get better results while at the same time we could create a product that would be like very honest with what it can do and what it cannot. So I just thought about it. And uh, I was back then at the HTC incubator in Paris, uh, which was in station F. And I met actually with uh, two amazing developers who were a bit older than me. So they, they were around like 40 years old and they started coding when they were five or six. So kind of like technical geniuses. And I, I started to talk to them about like maybe starting a new project, etc. They were also in a phase where they wanted to transition from their older project to something new. So we just decided to, to, to do something together. And for me, I was like, okay, I see like all this platform out there. The market is there. It's a, what we call a red ocean, meaning that it's a very, very crowded market. You have thousands of competitors, which usually means that there is a bloodbath but to me, what it meant is like the, the product market fit exists, you know, it's like uh, you have the product that exists and you have the demand for it. So if you want to become like better, you just, uh, if you want to launch your company, you just need to be better. And this is when I said, okay, how can we differentiate from the start, be better and launch them? I think uh, Lydia has a question. 
Yes, I'm just wondering, as you mentioned before, and the beginning of your startup. So did you face any challenge back to the very initial phase? And how did you go through it? Oh, yeah, it's uh, it was every startup, I, every project I launched was uh, challenging. Um, with um, with uh, the service business was very challenging because I didn't know anything about service. I was selling something that I didn't know about. So it felt like super weird because, you know, you're like, you're going to have people paying you for something you don't know how to do initially. But the truth is like what we learned at school and what a degree gets you, it just shows that you are able to learn things and get validated. And from there you get a degree. And so I just decided to apply the same mindset, uh, which is very like gross mindset, meaning that no matter what you face, you know that you're going to be able to learn. And the, the challenge was just, okay, I need to learn from this now that people pay. So I have to go through that. And, uh, and for the SaaS business, so software business, it was more or less the same. I didn't know anything about software. So I just decided to, to learn, read, and, uh, and, and start like, uh, applying my knowledge directly hands-on. That's that's really awesome. I really like what you said about the growth mindset. And I want to dig a little deeper into that. But before, I think Alice has a question to ask as well. Yes, thank you. So my question is, uh, at the very beginning, you said you, you, you need to learn and you didn't know how to do it. And how did you convince your first client, like you can do this, you're capable to do it? Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, <laughs> it's it's a good question. It's just like uh, for the agency, for example, um, we started doing sales prospecting to acquire our own customer. So I was doing it a little bit. I was not very good at it, but at least the value proposition that we were offering, meaning we're gonna get you qualified meeting with people you want to meet, was very attracting for people. So they were willing to get on a call. And when they were on a call, it was actually quite easy because we would say, you see the email that I've sent you? It was actually fully automated. And you see where we are right now? We have this meeting. That's exactly what I'm offering. I'm offering you the opportunity to have this type of meeting with potential prospects. And then they're like, oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> it works. I mean, if I'm there talking to you, it works. Like, they're convinced 100%. And from that, that's why it was quite easy. To, to get them on a call. And then after for the closing part, they were a bit of social proof. And then as you grow, you get more confident. But I failed like at many parts, like uh, I priced too low at some point. So people didn't trust me. Uh, I made a mistake like to give discount way too quickly. I mean, I made maybe all the mistakes possible, but at least, you know, you learn. The more you have meetings with people, the more you can implement different strategies and then you get better at it down the line. That's that's actually so cool that, you know, it, it's so meta that, you know, you kind of like get people into a meeting and be like, hey, we can we did this to you. So they're like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's 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 absolutely crazy. And and is that also like basically how you got the idea for Lemlist? Because Lemlist is also like the sales, uh, like a multi-channel sales automation system, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it all started with all the existing tools that I was using and I was like, okay, they are great, but they are focusing on sending like really mass emails and full automation and it doesn't really work out. So I'm like, okay, if you want to do like a real sales prospecting, you need to think about how can you build relationship with people and to build relationships with people, you need to have a lot of personalization. 
So I was like, how can we build a platform that will allow you to get more personalization, add things that are much more human, such as photos or videos, etc., so people can connect in a much better way. And that's exactly what we did with our first differentiator was we're going to focus 100% on personalization. And from that personalization, we're then going to move it you know, towards uh, something that's very different from competitors because through personalization, people would get better results. And if they get better results, they're happy to pay for a service. Right, right. Yeah, I've, I've actually used Lemlist a bit and I've seen that you know you can personalize images and you can add personalized uh, you know text to images which i think like it blew my mind when i saw that the first time so that's that's actually really cool especially when you make memes and send them to people and you know you personalize it with the company name or with the person's name that's wild so yeah so that's that's really really awesome okay so i uh, getting back to the growth mindset that you spoke about so what motivated you to get into this growth mindset like what at what point in your life did you realize that it's important to have this growth mindset as opposed to like a fixed mindset i think to be honest i i learned about growth mindset um not that long ago watching uh, carol dweck so professor at stanford and then it kind of like blew my mind. So it's like understanding how your brain works whenever you're facing challenging challenges. So a lot of people, and I think it comes to, to pretty much like uh, everyone on earth has like uh, false beliefs, whether it's because when you're young, your parents are telling you, okay, uh, because you're a boy, you will not be great at literature. And because you're a girl, you'll be not good at math or whatever. Or because you're doing this type of things, you can't do this, these things, etc. You can't achieve these things. Actually, you know, we, we put ourselves and uh, we have a lot of false beliefs regarding what we can accomplish or what we can't accomplish. And then when I learned about how the brain works, about the fact that, you know, when something seems unachievable, this is actually when your brain starts working and once your brain since it's plastic, your brain will change, will evolve, and will get better at doing things. I started to think, okay, nothing is, uh, is unachievable. You know, you just have to spend more time on it. And step by step, whenever I was facing a problem, I started to think about my brain. You know, it's like, I know my brain can solve this. I just need maybe to spend more time than someone else. But at least I know that I can do it. And just the fact that I knew, it pushes me, you know, like to push the limit and challenge myself more and more and more and for entrepreneurship i just think that um, it came from after my so initially i'm an engineer so i have like a master in, in chemical engineering and after that i traveled for a year around the world so during that time i was really like outside of my comfort zone because i was using social network to stay at people's uh, for free and the truth is during that time i went out so much of my comfort zone that i realized that my brain kind of loves this challenge this challenge of doing things differently, of doing things that we shouldn't, of, you know, always pushing my limits. So when I started to really learn about this growth mindset, I just thought, okay, this is awesome. It's something that everyone should know about and that everyone should uh, push their limits towards. And uh, what, is, what is something right now that you're, that's kind of pushing your limits? Like, how are you uh, still growing today? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm always like... A, the, the way I grow is, uh, is, you know, like our company is hyper growing. So I have no other options to hyper grow. So I try to um, consume a lot of content. So I read a lot. 
Um, I don't read that many books because the way I read books is a bit like uh, different. So, you know, people usually read books from page one to the end. I don't do that. I just read books like super fast. And when there is something interesting, I, I read it. If it's not interesting, I just keep it, which would be super annoying for the author. So I'm glad like they can't watch <laughs> me. But uh, what I love to do is spend time, you know, like uh, reading uh, either blog articles, read newsletters, uh, speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, network a lot, speak to people who face actually the same challenges that I'm facing. And, you know, when you're hyper growing, you have challenges pretty much every day. So for me uh, right now is uh, we are hiring like a lot of people. We need to structure the team. We need to make sure that uh, everyone can uh, can grow, can learn. So it's management, HR, uh, company-wise and growth. So all at the same time and see how we can level up. All right, that's that's really awesome. I think, uh, yeah, Lydia has a question. I'm just wondering, is there any book list to share? <laughs> I should I should actually like uh, create a create a list of books. The one that I uh, that I like personally to read entirely, which are not like uh, the books I um. So first is when it comes to sales, you have a, a lot of books that you can read out there. Like uh, I don't know, sales sales acceleration formula was uh, from the guy from HubSpot, which is quite interesting. But apart from that, like uh, what I really enjoy reading are books that are telling really good stories. Um, so, for example, the, the book from Ren Fishkin was extremely inspiring because to me, in a book, you will learn things, but there is nothing in any books that I've read that I couldn't find on the Internet for free, to be honest. Um, and a book that I loved was um, Lost and Founder from Ren Fishkin. Um, which is basically like a, a startup founders that explains you all the ups and downs of the journey, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, this was so inspiring because I was like, holy shit, I'm not the only one, you know, like feeling lonely, feeling like uh, at, the, at the very, like uh, as if everything was falling down around me, as if the company was going to, to just go down, et cetera, et cetera. So this is like the, the type of business book that I like. There is um, the one with uh, the founder of, uh, of Zappos who died actually like uh, quite recently. I think it's called Delivering Happiness. It was also a really good one. Uh, and, uh, and soon I'm writing a book also that will be published uh, probably by the end of the year or something. <laughs> what's, what's the book that you're writing about? Uh, it, it's going to be called uh, The $150 Million Secrets. And it basically tells uh, our story to grow from uh, basically zero to a $150 million valuation in uh, three and a half years. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. That's so amazing. <laughs> oh, because, okay, so I was just having a chat with my CEO today about this book that me and him both read called Predictable Revenue. Mm, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we read that book and we were just talking about how, yeah, you know, like that book is really good, but it's from back in 2007. So we were thinking that, yeah, you know, there should be something which, you know, is more relevant today. And then I just told him, yeah, you know, I think Guillaume is probably going to write a book at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you are. You're actually writing a book. So that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Good to know. I, I, I will, I will definitely buy it and read it. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what are, so according to you, what are the important qualities in a successful bootstrapped entrepreneur? I think to be like, uh, I think what's important is, uh, is to understand that 
not having a lot of money at the start will push your creativity. And being creativity means being different. So to me, like I see a lot of people focusing on the amount of fund they raise because they want to accelerate, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is like most businesses can work on very simple things. You have a product or a service. If this is valuable to people, they will buy it. To make it valuable to people, you need to make sure that they understand what your product and service can do. And not just about the features, but what, what will it change in their life? So how can you change people's lives through your product and service? So marketing will help you to vehiculate like the message and the way you're meeting with people and connecting with them will basically help you build trust, build relationship. And from there, it will be much easier to sell your product and service. And I feel like whenever you're bootstrapped, you focus on these simple things because you don't have money. So you reach out to people, you try to spend time with them, understanding their needs, et cetera, instead of just saying, okay, let's say I've raised a million, I can spend tons of money in advertising on Google AdWords, et cetera. And down the line, I will learn from it. Because, you know, like if I look at how we grew, it's been exponential, but it all comes down to what we call compound effects. Meaning that all the little things that you do today will have an impact much later and they compound. And for me, what I've realized is that I've spent so much time with people, like so much time with our users, so much time in communities, um, so much time trying to bring value, trying to help people. And the first year or first year and a half, you don't really see the results. It's tough. Uh, you don't see like uh, you see people like that are growing faster, et cetera, et cetera. But then when it starts taking off, it's just crazy. And your momentum is just huge. So to me, it's like whenever you're a bootstrap entrepreneur, like your, your quality should be first customer centric. So be focused in delivering the best experience possible. Then it's resilience. Nothing. There is no overnight success. I think there is a quote, I'm very bad at uh, quoting quotes, but it says something like, uh, it takes 10 years to build an overnight success, which is basically all the actions that you actually do for 10 years will down the line or can down the line transform into an overnight success. But that's, that's very true in business. And resilience is super important because nothing comes easy in life. You will never get... And, and you might see from time to time, like once in a billion that become successful overnight with, I don't know, first video on YouTube and they get like, uh, I don't know, 100 million views. But the truth is, I think that everything takes time and it's good that it takes time because the more time it takes, the more proud you are when things start to take off because you would have done so much that for you, it would be normal, you know, like it's not going to be something that's out of nowhere, you know, you would have deserved it. Right. That's yeah, that that makes so much sense. I really like what you said about the compound effect and doing little, little things. It's like when you when you improve by one percent every day, you basically make it, I think, 37 times where you started, you know, in, in, in one year. So, yeah, I think what you're saying makes definitely a lot of sense. One question I had on that is that how do you know whether you should do it, like whether you should bootstrap or whether you can bootstrap or like whether you should raise money? Because, I mean, from what you're saying, it, it can sound also a bit like every business can succeed without raising money, but then we still have all these VCs pumping money into businesses. So how do you know to make that distinction for your own business? I think it's a, it's a very personal choice of uh, what you want to do and understand 
why would VC give you money and give money to you and, and your company? So whenever, you know, like you're going to raise, for example, uh, a seed round, so like the, the very first step or series A, et cetera, the role for VCs is to get at least 10 or 20x their investment, meaning that they're expecting you to grow to 20 or 50x from the existing valuation. But as you grow, the goal of uh, investment fund is that you spend more money than you are actually making in order to fuel the growth. Meaning that what they look at in most of the company is the growth and not so much about the profitability. And the reason why is because for them, it puts them in a position of power if you're not profitable. Because if you're not profitable, it means that you have uh, a few months left. So your lifetime is basically a few months because if you're spending more money down the line, it means that in your uh, bank account, you have less and less money. And down the line, when if you have zero dollar on your bank account, you can't sustain the company and you're potentially dead, which means that the closer you get to um, the last day of you getting money in your bank account, the more you need to actually raise. And for each investor, their goal is for you to have the highest growth rates so you can raise even more at, uh, at another round. And then after that, for them, they get more shares in the company and hence more control. So the thing is like, I'm, for me, I'm totally not pro or against fundraising. I just think it really depends on what you want to do. Do you want to keep the control and be able to do really like your own things, not having anyone telling you what to do or what you should do? Or do you want to have like people around you that will give you like uh, sometimes guidance, but sometimes it would be the right guidance, but sometimes it would be the wrong one. It's for me, the question is how much do you trust yourself? How much do you trust yourself in making a good decision? And then if you decide to raise, who are you raising for exactly? Is it uh, for fame? Is it for your company? Or is it just because you have a great opportunity and a great people around you that you want to, to do the adventure with? But to me, it's, I just think that people in general don't ask themselves so much the question. I, I see too many founders saying like, yeah, I mean, you know, there is so much cash available right now and it's so easy to raise funds that I'm just taking the money. And so you, the money goes into the company, which is, uh, it's, it doesn't make you rich personally. Uh, usually when people raise funds, the investors uh, have their say on your salary. So for example, I know that uh, I have got a lot of friends, you know, who raised uh, tens of millions and they can't increase their salary. And they're like, no, but you know, it's, normal because and i'm like man you're the fucking ceo like if you want to raise your salary like give yourself a fucking raise like you're working like crazy this guy of course invested a bit of money but they're not your boss and the truth is like for most their investors become their boss and and to me it's quite crazy and and i think like whenever you're raising money make sure to do it on your terms and what's good about bootstrap and at least doing bootstrap in the first years is you get to a place where you have so much traction that then you can choose who you want to work with and also, which is the most important, under which conditions. Because the condition will make you either succeed or fail. And for that, I think it's, uh, it's tricky and I think it's a question. There are not enough people asking themselves that question. Yeah, that I think that makes a lot of sense. And especially that part about, you know, you, you started your own company because you want to do entrepreneurship. You want to be your own boss, you know, so they say. And then if you get into this trap of raising money, you essentially are not that anymore. You have someone telling you what to do. And that can also be like, 
conflicting with what you wanted to do, uh, you know, as a as an entrepreneur, right? So when in you some started, cases it's true, yeah. Yeah, and so when you started Lemlist, you know, did you know from the very beginning that you were gonna do it completely bootstrapped, or did you, you know, kind of discover it along the way that this is an op, this is even an option? No, like being like fully transparent with you, like um, at first. I, I was basically looking at all the, the press article and the media. And for me, it was, uh, if we wanted to succeed, we had to raise funds. Like I was 100% sure that we needed that money and that was so important. So I think I had a chat with about like for two weeks, I met with, uh, with investors um, at the very beginning of Lemlist. And then, you know, they were all telling me like, yeah, the market is too crowded. You haven't done anything before. We don't know you, um, et cetera, et cetera. And at some point, I received a message from one of our existing customers that I had helped to launch their first campaign. I kind of did the work I did with the agency, except that I was doing it for uh, Lemnis customers. Um, and the guy told me, hey, gee, I just closed my first uh, $20,000 contract. Now I can hire someone, et cetera. And then I was like, holy fuck, like, I'm so proud, you know, like for him, his life has changed. And if I can change people's life, this is what motivates me the most. And not talking to people who are telling me that the market is too crowded, that I will never be able to make it, et cetera, et cetera. So I just said, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to be focused on our customers, focusing on helping uh, people, and then we'll see. And as we started to grow, we became profitable like uh, very quickly. Then we were able to start paying ourselves. So to me, the point where you have a, a soft software business, so where uh, you're selling subscription, meaning that the money you're getting is the... Uh, recurring you have uh, every month more money coming in it's so predictable that your lifetime as an entrepreneur as soon as you pay yourself is infinite because you know that because you're selling membership and monthly subscription you're making more and more money each month which means that you're never going to lack of any money and from that point on you have the most power ever because i'm like okay i don't need investors you know like i'm building this profitable business i actually really enjoy it and at that point, I started um, to get more and more investors offer daily, weekly, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and then we kept, we kept growing until to the point where uh, after reaching like the, the 10 million, so we reached 10 million in ARR like very recently, we, we actually decided on our own to cash out, meaning to, um, to sell about 20% of the company to uh, an external investors. So we don't do any capital increase. But we sold like uh, 20% of the company at a $150 million valuation, which means that my two co-founders and I took uh, a total of $30 million, which means that in three years, we took like in uh, respectively like uh, $30 million, which is just huge. It means that technically we don't have to work ever again if we don't want, but it's a great thing because we have 80% of the company. We can really do uh, ambitious ambition things because now you know we have not this pressure of money or anything it's just about making something the biggest and the greatest possible and and from that we were able to do that just because we were in control and we were on in control of the terms we went in control of the people we wanted to work with we were not in a hurry because we're still hyper growing and all of that is just like an amazing feeling that's absolutely amazing. I mean, the fact that you still own 80% of the company and you were able to cash out 30 million, dude, that's, that's amazing. 
Super cool. And, you know, when you talk about where the company is going forward and the fact that, you know, now that you have all this, now that you have all this money and you don't have to worry about it anymore, was this linked to you changing the name of the company from Lemless to Lempire so you could like focus more on broader things? <laughs> yeah, so so actually like the, the name of the company has always been Lempire. Uh, but uh, but the truth is we, we never really like talk too much about it. We never rebranded it officially. Um, so Lempire is basically like uh, the company and within the company, we have several projects, Lemlist, Lemverse. We, we used to have like Lempod, which was um, a, another project that we grew in one year to about like $600,000 in annual recurring revenue. And we sold that business last year to a group of uh, entrepreneurs in Australia. And we sold it at the time because we wanted to be focused on Lemlist, thinking that, you know, it's hyper growing. We shouldn't have too many products, like let's be focused. And then at some point we realized, okay, from day one, we did things that we shouldn't, meaning that we hired inexperienced people. Uh, I'm a chemical engineer working in SAS, which has like nothing to do with everything. Uh, you know, like um, we hired like uh, the second employee was the videographer. Uh, there were so many things that didn't make sense in the choices we made, but we made them. And that's what makes us different. You know, like we're, we're just maybe like the misfits, the kind of weirdos, et cetera, but we do it our way and we're having fun doing it. And the truth is, as we grew, I was like, okay, I mean, right now we sold the company, one of our, one of our baby, <laughs> just because we, we did things that people told us to do and told us that it made more sense. But the truth is we love to have multiple projects. We really love that. So why not, why not do that and why not continue? So we decided to continue that and, uh, and we say, okay, like the company's name is Empire. Let's, uh, let's fully embrace it and let's start talking about like uh, our different project and see where it can take us. So the goal is to, to keep working on this multiple project in order to help like uh, 1 million entrepreneurs launch profitable business. <laughs> Dude, that's that's awesome really really cool and speaking of multiple different projects like do you see yourself also doing side projects of your own which are not linked to lempire like especially now that you have all this money to be honest not really like because uh, i love the team i love to work with the team for for me you know it's uh it has never been about like the the money uh it's always like something uh different i don't come from like uh a rich background like my family didn't really have a, a lot of money uh i never like uh, lacked of anything or whatever but i'm pretty simple guy so for me at first i saw that money was really something that's gonna make me like super happy you know like you need to be rich to have access to all these things and then you know i started to have access to all these things and then i was like fuck it you know i like to to eat in the in the cheap restaurants with my friends i love to like uh do all these things that, uh, that don't take and don't like uh, where you don't need money, like to, to really enjoy and do all these things. So I was like, you know what, like uh, for me, what motivates me is much more like meeting really cool people, really interesting people sharing like uh, what I learned and for uh, different projects, obviously like uh, the money I got will be invested into some interesting project, but where I'm putting like really my heart and uh, my energy, it's fully linked to Lempire. And we have basically the, the chance to be able to work on so many different things that it's always super exciting and uh, very like uh, fascinating, I would say. <laughs> awesome. Really, really cool. All right. So what do you do when you're not working? Like when you're out of the office <laughs> and uh, yeah. So what do you do when you're not working? 
Um, so I do a lot of sports. Uh, I run quite a lot. Uh, I try to swim whenever I can. With COVID, it was a bit uh, a bit tricky. Um, I spend a lot of time with uh, with my friends. I think it's really really important, like uh, to just uh, be able to chill, disconnect, and do uh, do other things. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm I'm just a normal person, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, just a normal person. Yeah, of, of course, you know, I think that's something which like, it's from the outside, it can look as if, you know, someone like you, you're just like working all the time. There's so many things that you're doing. And then I like what you said about you just like to chill and spend time with your friends and family, just like anyone else. So how do you how do you balance, you know, your work and your life? Because I'm sure, you know, um, running this kind of a bootstrap business, is is not something that takes you know it's not it's something that takes a lot of your time right yeah i, I think to be honest it's uh, to me I, I think i posted something like recently and people got super mad at me on linkedin because i said like that i didn't have a work-life balance and uh, and the truth is uh, for me you know like if you need to balance work with life it means that technically you're working on something that's really painful. You know, it's like work, it's so painful. So I need to have a cool life so I can like be a, a bit more disconnect. The truth is I've hired a few of my friends. I work with people I love. I consider as my family, uh, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. So whenever I'm waking up, I'm super happy like to, to wake up every morning. I'm excited about what I'm doing. So I don't, I don't need a balance. My balance is just my life. My life is balanced like uh, as a whole, you know? So, so to me, I don't, uh, I don't need to balance anything. I'm just passionate about everything I do and, uh, and that's it. And I think it's, it's important to know who you are and what you live for, because a lot of people, you know, like, uh, want to guilt yourself and call you like a workaholic if you work, uh, if you work a lot, etc. but usually these people don't have any passion and because they feel bad about their job. They want you to feel bad about the fact that you might work late hours, etc. But the truth is, I work whenever I want to work. You know, if I have ideas during the weekend, I'm not going to be like sitting like this and be, hmm, I should wait for Monday to write an article. No, I'm just going to write it down. And if on Monday, you know, I'm tired and everything, I'm just going to sleep until 10 a.m. and I don't care. So for me, it's just about and I. It's not because I'm the CEO, you know, that I say that like uh, some people in our team, sometimes they work late at night. So I'm not expecting them, you know, to come uh, at the office at 8 a.m. Like sleep until whenever you need to sleep, you know, it's uh, do whatever, like live under your own rules. And once you know your, yourself and you know how to communicate with people, then it's uh, it's not an issue and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you know, that's that's something that I respect a lot. I, I think it's, I, I read this on a LinkedIn post by by Roxana from your team. And then I reposted her post and I wrote something on that as well. <laughs> that, you know, it's, I, I think the, it's this is the future of work where, you know, you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like stepping into the office and you want to work from home. You just don't give any explanation to anyone, right? And you just, you just do whatever makes you feel comfortable. And I, re I remember reading another LinkedIn post from another one, another person at Lemlist about how, she showed up uh, two hours late to work one day and then you just told her that, yeah, you know what, just go back and sleep because you're clearly too tired. And um, yeah, I, I really respect that part of, of, of Lemlist's culture, you know, and, and clearly I read a lot of LinkedIn posts from your team because a, a, a lot of your <laughs> team are posting a lot on LinkedIn, which is really, really cool. I think I really love that part of the culture that you've created of, you know, 
making your own personal brand and content creation online. I really like that. Okay, Thanks. cool. And what would you say to the young graduates today? So people who are graduating from business schools or from engineering schools such as yourself, what would you say to young graduates today? I would say like to, to start to first, like don't be afraid to fail. I know that whenever, you know, you are at school, you have um, all these different programs, you know that uh, at the end of the semester, you're going to have your exams and then you need to pass your exam, etc. So everything is very like, uh, I would say like on track, like, you know, exactly what to do. Everything is well structured. And then you enter like uh, a world where you have like a job and in that job, again, you know, like we put people on different tracks, you know, and, uh, and this track where you enter like a manager, then you need to become the manager of the manager. And then it all goes like this. So all of this can be reassuring, but it can be also like super scary when you are an entrepreneur, because you really don't know what's up, you know, like you have to create your own rules. So I think my advice to people would be like, uh, if you're still a student or if you're like uh, just starting, make sure to test things. Don't be afraid. Start things on your own. Create your little projects. Learn new things online. Make Google your best friend. Uh, so go on Google, go on YouTube, like learn new things all the time and try to, if you want to become an entrepreneur, start small. Uh, start with selling a service because the day where you will be able, so you have a ton of platform online like uh, Upwork or Malt or whatever that can help you really like uh, get hired and become a freelancer pretty easily. Like do these things, do these things, start making a bit of money just because it will be reassuring for yourself that you are good enough to make money for yourself and you can learn anything and you can basically help anyone and they would see value in your work. Start doing these little things in order to build confidence. And once you see that you have an idea or something, go for it. Start small, step by step, break like uh, complex goals into simple steps and get started. But the most important is to get started. So my advice would just be like, just do it. Uh, like Nike said, it's a pretty good tagline. <laughs> All right. And what would you tell yourself uh, back in 2017 when you graduated HEC, if you could go back and tell Guillaume something? Whew, I will first slap myself. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> no, I, I would tell myself to, uh, to just like believe in myself, be different. It's okay to be different. It's okay to do things differently. And, uh, and the thing is like, we're all different overall. So we have to trust our own guts and just uh, go for it and never doubt ourselves because in the end, we're the only one who actually know what we're capable of and not the rest of people. And sometimes we're not even uh, able to know what we're capable of. So you're limitless. That would be my, uh, my advice. <laughs> all right, awesome, Guillaume. That brings us to the end of the interview. Thanks a lot once again for sharing all these amazing stories and all your amazing advice. And before we end, uh, Alice and Lydia, do you guys have any questions or comments or anything else that you want to add? No, no, I, I really enjoyed your uh, your talk and also thank you very much for coming. And I really like your sharing about how you started and take initiatives. And I really agree that we always need to learn new things and make Google our best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. 
Thank yeah, you. I just want to say the same thing. I really enjoyed this interview with you, and I really love and to the end what you said, like believe yourself, dare to be different, and also like people never know how capable you are. That's really very inspiring. Thank you. Thanks a lot for you three. It was、uh, I really had a great time. All right. Bye bye. Take care.